morning church family we are the larsons i am tyler as you know i'm kim i'm travis the oldest i'm kyle the youngest so we want to welcome you this morning and let's worship together god bless good morning church family honored again this week to facilitate the scripture reading portion of our online service and today's scripture reading is going to be from the gospel of mark chapter 12 verses 28 through 34. you know in the Gospel of Mark chapters 11 and 12, the authority of Jesus is challenged many times by the chief priests, the scribes, the elders. Uh, by what authority are you doing these things? Or who gave you this authority to do them? Uh, authority to do what? You're healing people, raising people from the dead, blessing people's lives and so on. On the Sabbath, heaven forbid, uh, Jesus responded, uh, in asking the, the scribes and the elders and the chief priests if they could answer a question for him. Uh, the, the baptism of John, was it from heaven or was it from man? And of course they gathered together, they struggled. Oh, we don't know if we say one thing, he'll, he'll say this. If we say another, he'll say something else. In the 12th chapter of the parable of the tenants, uh, the Pharisees, the, the Sadducees, they, they got steamed thinking that Jesus was actually describing them. Do you think? I believe he was. Uh, the Pharisees and the Herodians hit him up on taxes. What should you give to Rome? What should, uh, you know, the, the denarius, and whose image is on it, and so forth. And Jesus told them to give to God, render to God what is God's, and, and render to Rome what is Rome's. Finally, in Mark chapter 12, verses 28-34, and we'll read it together. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all of your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other great commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one, and there is no other beside him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared ask him any more questions. I'll bet they didn't. What great words to reflect on in these times as we watch the news and, and one group pitting against another. If we would just show each other the, the love of God and love each other as our neighbor, as ourselves, all of these problems would go away. Uh, I want to uh, thank so many of you over these last several weeks, few months that we've been doing this online. Have uh, I've asked you to, to reach out to me with uh, anything from help from setting up online giving to prayer to fellowship, just conversation, and you've done that. I think it's been great. Uh, I've received a few emails though that, that, that caught me off guard and. And a lot of them had this theme of, uh, uh, what's up with your garage, you know? 
Uh, can you talk to my husband? Can you contact him about about uh, our garage? And I was like, oh, what in the world? So as a as a reach out, I hope you guys have noticed that I just tried to, to mix this up a little bit behind me, that there might be something out of order to put your mind at ease. But uh, at any rate, I, I had one, one email said that uh, our garage looks like uh, Fibber McGee's closet. Fibber McGee's closet, what in the world is that? So I know that uh, Marvin and Doris and all of our brothers and sisters over at Triple C are probably laughing their heads off right now, but I Googled it, you do the same. Apparently this guy had a mess of a place. So at any rate, what I realized is that I had neglected many things in my, in my uh, call for folks to reach out to me by email, marriage counseling. Okay, we're a full service here at OVCF. So again, Randy at ovcfchurch.org, and I so enjoyed doing this. Uh, we will get back together at the well one day very soon, and this will all come to an end, and you won't have to endure looking at my man cave at home. And uh, I look so forward to seeing each of you eventually laying hands on one another, loving each other, but at whatever restricted source we can to get back to personal fellowship, we're really looking forward to it. Uh, I, I pray that you will seek the Lord's wisdom today and what the Holy Spirit has for you in the message from Pastor Richie. And again, blessings to everyone and have a terrific week. God bless. stood before creation eternity in your hand you spoke the earth into motion my soul now to stand you stood before
morning church family hope everyone's doing well out there it's time again for meet and greet I just want to let you guys know I love the meet and greet because I get the video sent to me and it feels like I'm visiting you so thank you so much and if you're interested in doing meet and greet please email me so now let's meet and greet with Veronica then with Len and Cindy so let's meet and greet good morning church family this is Veronica I just wanted to wish you all a happy Sunday morning, tell you I'm thinking about you, have everybody in my prayers, and looking forward to meeting real life in person to give real life hugs soon. You take care. Have a good week. Bye. Hi, I'm Lynn. And I'm Cindy Mullins. We really miss you all, church family. We can't wait to get back together with you, and we hope you're all doing well. Stay well. Stay safe. And remember, God's in charge and we're just waiting. We'll wait until he's ready for us to all be back in church together and we'll see you there. Well, good morning, church. And before we pray for our offering this morning, uh, for this week, uh, I just wanted to remind you that uh, as we've been reading, challenged really by my Pastor Richie this week to uh, read the first three chapters of Ephesians uh, each morning or each day uh, in preparation for uh, for the message today um, which is um, uh, quite relevant to uh, even our uh, our position in Christ and our and our um, our hearts being right towards uh, giving back to the Lord for what he has given us in fact um, in the very first verse in chapter 4 of Ephesians uh, out of the Amplified uh, Version, um, it, it tells us that there's, there's this appeal for us to live um, uh, godly lives, lives that exhibit godly character and moral courage and personal integrity um, and, and mature Christian behavior. Uh, all of this in the context of being believers, followers of, of Jesus. And... Um, and so I'm sure the message today will be powerful in that regard. And it reminds me so much of, of just our heart for forgiving. Um, because why are we supposed to, to uh, have hearts of, of gratitude for the Lord? Well, we can be grateful for so many things because God is good. Amen? All the time and all the time God is good. And, and so he has provided so much for us and mostly that provision is for through his grace um, he has provided salvation uh, think about that for for just a moment uh, what God has done for us and it's no wonder he tells us to give back uh, with a cheer cheerful heart not out of compulsion or uh, for any other reason just cheerfully enthusiastically uh, give um, generously give and um, and thank you uh, for that. This is the, this church is very unified. Uh, we might be distant right now, but uh, we are unified in Christ, uh, and um, and uh, and the giving has has continued. Um, 
uh, the, the, this church, the well, has been has been giving uh, online um, and uh, through the mail, uh, through the mail squad at the at the church door. Um, uh, it's a it's a it's a humbling thing, really, um, to know that that God's people uh, are so generous. And so, uh, just a shout out to you, church family. Um, uh, thank you for your heartfelt uh, giving uh, to, to kingdom work, for God's purposes uh, in, in your life and the life of this church. Um, uh, it's, it's an amazing thing. It's, it's a supernatural thing. So, so thank you for that. And um, uh, looking forward to the, to the message today uh, where um, we are going to hear about uh, exhibiting godly character um, and being the followers of Jesus that Christ calls us to be. So, uh, in unity uh, and in love and uh, with grateful hearts, um, consider what the Lord is putting on your heart uh, to, uh, to give back um, as we do, as we do weekly. Uh, so thank you for that. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Uh, thank you for this church family. Thank you for uh, who you are. Thank you that you unite us in Christ Jesus. Um, uh, we, uh, we are indeed uh, one body. Uh, there is one spirit. Uh, and so thank you that uh, even during these times, God, there is a supernatural movement of your spirit uh, in and through the church. I pray, God, for uh, the offering that is uh, taken today, God, and and all the giving uh, that uh, that your church body uh, uh, gives, uh, God would be used um, uh, for godly purposes. God, for uh, for the gospel to go forth. God, for uh, your church to to flourish, uh, not only locally in this valley, God, but uh, throughout our entire community and uh, and ultimately uh, throughout the world. Uh, God, use uh, these resources. Uh, that came from you, that belong to you, uh, that are given by your people, God, uh, for your purposes, for kingdom work, God, um, that your name uh, might be held high, that, God, you might be glorified in and through it all. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning. A couple of announcements for us uh, today. Uh, first one is that the men's groups that have been meeting Wednesday night and Thursday night uh, via Zoom. Uh, we're taking a break right now for a couple of weeks and we'll be starting once again uh, in the beginning of July at some point. So men, if you're interested in joining uh, with us again uh, as we start a new series uh, in July, you can email Mark Bodycomb at mark at ovcfchurch.org. Let him know you're interested and uh, he'll uh, try to connect you with one of the groups that works best with your schedule. All right, and the second announcement has to do with Kingdom Kids. Uh, in just a few moments, uh, Kim is gonna uh, be up here and she's going to be sharing uh, with you what the, the Kingdom Kids lesson's gonna be about. But we've made a, a significant change and we're really excited about uh, what God has been doing in Kingdom Kids. And, and I know many of you, uh, young and older, have been enjoying uh, Kingdom Kids and uh, Kim and Rennell, uh, they've been doing a phenomenal job and over the past several weeks, uh, we've all seen uh, just how gifted they are and how enthusiastic they are uh, for Kingdom Kids. And so what uh, we wanted to do 
uh, starting today is to give Kingdom Kids really its own place uh, on our website. So if you go to the website, uh, there'll be a link for Kingdom Kids. And what we're doing starting today is that Kingdom Kids is really gonna have an expanded sort of lesson or an expanded kids church service, if you will. Uh, there's gonna be worship, uh, Kim and Rennell and the others are still gonna do a great job with teaching. Um, but we wanted to give Kingdom Kids its own space where they didn't have to be uh, constrained by time and uh, very limited in the amount that they could share on each Sunday. So what we decided to do is have Kim come up each Sunday and, and give a brief uh, snippet about uh, what Kingdom Kids will be learning on each Sunday. But then parents, we want to encourage you, and kids, we want to encourage you, go to the Kingdom Kids link, and there'll be music, there'll be uh, a lesson, and it's just going to be as great as it's always been, but just more uh, expanded. In a, in a format that I think the kids are gonna enjoy uh, much more. And again, it's gonna include some music so the kids will be learning worship songs and it's really gonna give Kingdom Kids the space that it deserves. Uh, and also, just a word of encouragement, I know that many of the adults that you have been in, enjoying, Kim and Rennell, as they've been teaching on Sunday morning, so you're invited to, uh, whether it's before uh, this service or after we're finished with this video, you can click on the Kingdom Kids link and you can enjoy uh, those lessons as well. So we're really excited about uh, what God has been doing uh, through Kingdom Kids in the last two, three months and how it's really grown to the place where we felt like we really wanted to give it its own space and room to grow. So I encourage you, uh, kids, you can go to Kingdom Kids link. Parents, you can send them there. Maybe while they're watching the sermon uh, later, you can set them up uh, to watch the Kingdom Kids uh, service on their own link. Okay, so really excited, encourage you to check that out. And now we're just gonna continue with the service. God bless you. Oh, hi, Kingdom Kids. Well, I'm swimming along and, well, here's Rennell's fins and I can't find her anywhere. But that's okay for now, because I have an idea where she may have gone. This week we're talking about finding Jesus under the sea and talking about fish and how they swim around in the schools to feel safe and kind of like us humans, how we like to go with the flow because that's the cool thing to do. Well, you know what? Sometimes that's not the right thing to do. Sometimes we got to learn to just trust in God. Trust that, hey, maybe just going with the flow isn't the right thing to do. Maybe following the rules and listening to our parents. Sometimes even thinking about, hey, what does the Bible say? What does God want us to do? Trusting in God, trusting in our parents, and also trusting in standing strong and in ourselves. And saying no to the flow is always the best thing to do. Now we're starting something new and we're going to have Kingdom Kids Online Church on our website. We're going to have stories and dancing and singing and lessons and a special doctor coming in and asking questions. And I think that's where Rennell went. So check us out. And you know what? We're going to continue our series on finding Jesus under the sea. And I'm going to go ahead and give Rennell back her fins. Whew! Stinky! All right, guys. 
We hope to see you soon. Check us out. Come on over to our website and visit us there because that's where I'm going to go now. I'm going to swim on over there. All right, parents and kids and whomever wants to go over there, that's where you'll find me. All right. Love you guys. Well, good morning. It's great to be back with you again, and, and I want to thank Mark for doing an incredible job uh, finishing out Ephesians chapter 3 uh, these past two Sundays. Uh, if you were here last Sunday, I gave you some homework. And uh, quick survey, if you did the homework, if you remembered what it was, put your hand up, right? Well, if you don't remember or if you weren't here last Sunday, I gave you some homework. And the homework was to read Ephesians chapter 1, 2, and 3 at least once a day this past week leading up until today as we launch into Ephesians uh, chapter 4. And, and why did I do that? What was the purpose behind that? Well, several years ago, uh, I came across a term, and the term is called Band-Aid theology. And Band-Aid theology refers to this tendency uh, within the Christian church to uh, begin to look at the Bible or your walk with Jesus uh, from a self-help perspective, uh, which means if I have an issue in my life, I'll go to a friend or I'll look at the scriptures and say, you know, I'm struggling with this particular issue. I need a verse or I need a passage uh, that helps me deal with, you know, fear or anxiety or uh, forgiveness. Uh, I need something to help fix this issue. And we find a verse or verses and we apply them like band-aids. And, and I get that and, and, you know, I understand maybe the good intentions behind that. But if you go down the road of Band-Aid theology, you're really setting yourself up for sort of a shallow and immature walk with Jesus. Okay, that's why I gave you the homework to read Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 in preparation for 4, 5, and 6 because Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 lay a very solid, foundational, doctrinal base that will launch us into the practical side of Ephesians, which is 4, 5, and 6. And, and I know many of you uh, may have done that, and, and perhaps you found it a bit challenging because, they're, you know, we're used to in Christian, well, you know, uh, what's the application? What's the application? And, and how am I supposed to live? And, and Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 are more doctrinal. It's about our blessings. It's about who we are in Christ and, and all these wonderful, incredible, supernatural positional truths. And sometimes, you know, if we're not used to, to studying that, to reflecting upon that, to digesting that, we wonder, well, okay, thanks, but how does that apply? That was the purpose, was to encourage you to, you know, lovingly create this homework assignment where you would have to wrestle with and read regularly and digest and think about doctrine doctrine rather than necessarily the application, the fun stuff that we're used to, you know. And, and as we launch into Ephesians 4 today, I want to, to, again, if you read it, remember 1, 2, and 3. Don't, don't disregard it now as we move forward. Those, those chapters launch us forward, okay? So Ephesians 4, verses 1, 2, and 3. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, 
eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. This morning, we're going to really focus on the first uh, half of uh, verse 1, right? I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, right? Verse 1. He says he's a prisoner for the Lord. In the original uh, language, it's a prisoner in the Lord. And what the Apostle Paul is saying, you know what? I'm speaking to you out of my calling and out of my vital, personal, deep relationship with the Lord. In addition to the fact that I'm actually in prison, I'm a prisoner because of my faith. And so his authority, his credibility comes from his relationship with the Lord. In this case, he's a prisoner in the Lord, and he actually is a prisoner for the Lord because he's imprisoned because of his faith. Okay? And then he says, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy. That word urge, sometimes when we read scripture, we're, we really don't take into account the, the depth of the emotion behind it. That word urge means to implore, plead, beg, to ask urgently fervently for something, right? So what the Apostle Paul, he's not just writing some bland letter, you know, kind of like very formal. He's saying, hey, believers in Ephesus and the surrounding areas, I'm begging you, I'm fervently asking you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling. I'm begging you. This is what I really, really fervently want for you. This is how I want you to walk. This is how I want you to live. That's what he's saying. And when it says walk, that means how we, you know, our, our general life conduct, our behavior, our daily life. To walk implies purpose, progress, action. Okay, so he says, I, I have a fervent desire for you. I'm pleading with you. I'm begging you. This is how I want you to walk as believers. Okay, J. Vernon McGee says this. Walking is not a balloon ascension. A great many people think the Christian life is some great overwhelming experience. And you take off like a rocket going out into space. That's not where you live the Christian life. Rather, it is in your home, in your office, in the schoolroom, on the street. The way you get around in this life is to walk. You are to walk in Christ. God grant that you and I might be joined to him in our daily walk. The Apostle Paul says we are to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. That word picture, when he says, in a manner worthy, it's scales. Scales that are balanced. Okay, here's your walk, here's your calling. They should be balanced. Other examples, your walk and your talk. Your possessions in Christ, your practice as a follower of Christ. Okay, the doctrine you say you believe, and your daily life. They should all be in balance. That's what he's saying. Martin Lloyd-Jones says this. So what the apostle is saying is that he is beseeching them and exhorting them always to give equal weight in their lives to doctrine and practice. They must not put all the weight on doctrine and none on practice, nor all the weight on practice and just a little, if any at all, on doctrine. To do so produces imbalance and lopsidedness. The Ephesians must take great pains to see that the scales are perfectly balanced. However, however packed your head may be with knowledge, if you are failing in your life, you will be a hindrance to the spreading of the kingdom. You will bring the cause of God and his Christ into disrepute. But it is equally true to say that if your conception of the Christian life is that it means no more 
than that you live a good life, that you should be moral, and that doctrine is of no importance, again, you will be a hindrance to the cause. There must be true balance. We must be worthy of the vocation wherewith we are called. Balance. And there's a key word in Ephesians 4.1 that brings this balance, and it's the word therefore, right? It says, I therefore a prisoner for the Lord. So what does that mean? It says, here's what I've written in chapters 1, 2, and 3. Therefore, here's what you do in 4, 5, and 6. It should be in balance. It should be in balance. So what are some reasons why, why might we have areas in our life that are out of balance. Now, as a whole, I'm sure that many of you can celebrate what God has done in your life. As a whole, you've seen transformation. It's a miracle. You're even wanting to listen to a church service online. You know, I praise God for that. But maybe there's an area or areas in your life that just seem out of balance, that you seem to be repeatedly struggling with, that, that you just can't seem to overcome. What's going on there? What's going on? Or maybe you just kind of feel like you're in a rut or, you know, something's just out of kilter. What's going on? Well, I was thinking about it. What are some reasons that we might be out of balance? Because according to the Apostle Paul, it's doctrine, one, two, and three, therefore, daily life behavior. Okay? So doctrine leads to daily life. Okay? That's the balance. Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, 4, 5, and 6. But what are, what are some things in your life or in my life that might be actually elevated above doctrine, that actually take precedence in our therefore, right? The title of this sermon is, What's Before Your Therefore? So if this is my therefore, and this is how I live my life, what's over here? If it's not the Word of God, first and foremost, what are some things that actually might be here before my therefore and is affecting my life. Number one, how about my opinion, my thoughts? Maybe some things come to mind. Maybe you said this. Maybe you've thought this. Here's some examples. Well, this is what I think. I'm not sure I can trust God in this area. This is what I've always thought. This is what I've heard. I don't agree with that. That seems unreasonable. This is my opinion. Yeah, I know, I know, but, right? So maybe it's your opinion, your thoughts. Therefore, this is how you act. What about my feelings? What about feelings? Well, this is how I feel about it. I'm not too happy about it. I'm scared. I'm worried. I'm anxious. I'm at peace. I'm comfortable. I'm good. I'm happy with my decision. If, if it feels right, it must be right, right? So maybe it's my feelings, therefore my behavior. What about past experiences? Well, this happened to me in the past. I was hurt. I was betrayed. This has worked for me in the past. I had a really bad experience. I had a really good experience. Nothing bad has happened so far, so it must be okay. So maybe it's my past experiences, therefore, my behavior. How about my just, my, in general, my preferences? I like 
I don't like. I want, I don't want. So my preferences, therefore, my behavior. Uh, there's a wonderful video uh, we're going to put on the screen. I want to encourage you. Uh, it's about three to four minutes long. Uh, check out this video. It's called, Are We in a Post-Truth Culture? It's by Ravi Zacharias International Ministries, rzim.org. And in three minutes, the speaker does an incredible job of speaking to uh, the state of our culture where preferences and feelings are now elevated above truth and facts. And you see it all around us right now today, where it's what people prefer, it's their feelings, what they think, elevated above truth and facts, and they do an incredible job of speaking to that and the serious consequences that occur as a result of being in a post-truth culture. I encourage you, watch the video. It really helped me to get a sense of where we are as a nation in terms of just kind of like even the secular society, secular culture. But even in the church, it really got me to think about these areas in my life, maybe areas in your life, that I elevate above Scripture, that I elevate above doctrine, and these areas that I elevate all come before my therefore, and these areas over here all play into these areas where I just seem to struggle with walking in the Spirit and, and honoring God. There's an example in John 5, uh, verses 39 to 40. Jesus is speaking to religious leaders. He says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. So these religious leaders, they're convinced. They think that they got to study, 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 study. Jesus says, hey, by the way, those scriptures, they're all bearing witness to me. They're all pointing to me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. They are so consumed, so committed to what they think that they miss Jesus. They miss Jesus. And so this morning I want to encourage you to think about, to take the necessary time to, to really be honest with yourself be honest with God. Let him maybe open, open up your heart and reveal things that you, you maybe know are there, but you haven't wanted to admit that there are some things, your opinions, your thoughts, your feelings, your past experiences, your preferences. Maybe they're elevated above the authority of Scripture. Therefore, you're acting out based on these things rather than God's word. Years and years ago, there was a bumper sticker. And I kind of get the, the, you know, the good intentions behind the bumper sticker, but I always kind of struggled with it. It says, God said it. I believe it. That settles it. Okay, so the bumper sticker. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. I always struggled with the I believe it part. Because if God said it, that settles it. Whether or not I believe it doesn't change that God said it and it's settled, right? It's settled because he said it. But when you put the I believe it, you see how that elevates me? Now, I am the determiner of what's settled. Therefore, you see how it's so very subtle. You have to be very careful. We live in a very I-centered, me-centered culture. And if we're not careful, even in the church, 
We elevate I, my thoughts, my feelings, my preferences, I, therefore, and now I'm in charge. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. All scripture is breathed out by God. You have to settle that issue, right? God's word, therefore, my life. Martin Lloyd-Jones. Doctrine must always come first, and we must never reverse this order. It is, I repeat, the invariable practice in the New Testament itself to speak of doctrine before the application of doctrine. We must not act until we are clear about our doctrine. This is, beyond all question, the most vital principle of all in connection with the New Testament doctrine of sanctification. So that's why I gave you the homework, to spend a week reading over and over Ephesians 1, 2, 3, incredible doctrinal truth. Therefore, we launch into 4, 5, and 6 with 1, 2, and 3 as our base, as our solid base. I came across this story, which, which many believe is an urban legend, uh, maybe not really happened, but I love the illustration behind the story. It goes like this. The captain of a ship looked into the dark night and saw a light in the distance. Immediately, he told his signalman to send a message. Alter your course 10 degrees south. He promptly received a reply. Alter your course 10 degrees north. The furious captain sent another message. Alter your course 10 degrees south. I am a captain. Soon another reply was received. Alter your course 10 degrees north. I am seaman third class Jones. The captain sent a final message. Alter your course 10 degrees south. I am a battleship. The reply was, alter your course 10 degrees north. I am a lighthouse. I love that. Because when I think of that, I think of me when I read a scripture or God is convicting me of something and I'm arguing with God and I'm like, God, alter your course, alter your course. And God's like, no, alter your course. And ultimately, it's God's word. It's God's truth. It's settled because it comes from him. We are to alter our course. I am to alter my course to get in line with him. I'm not going to argue with God. Who am I to argue with God? Who am I to tell God, hey, God, alter your course to fit my needs, to fit my comfort? I don't like that. I think this. This happened to me in the past. This is what I prefer. God, can you just alter your course to fit me? That's crazy. You wouldn't, I love this story, right? Who wins? The lighthouse. Who wins? God. God wins. And so this morning, as we prepare for communion, as we prepare for a song and a time of reflection, Here's what I'm going to ask you and encourage you to do. We've just barely scratched the surface into the second half of Ephesians. But Ephesians 4.1, therefore, challenges us this morning. Is there anything before your therefore that is 
causing you to not walk in faith and obedience? Are there areas in your life that you have elevated above God's truth, above God's doctrine, and these areas, your thoughts, your opinions, your feelings, your past experiences, your preference, any of these, therefore are causing you to act out really in ways that serve you, that maybe meet your needs and your desires in the flesh. And so this morning, we're going to have a time of, of reflection once again through song and communion. And I encourage you, this can be an incredible time of confession. And it's going to require a great deal of, of, of willingness to be honest, to be transparent, to say, yeah, Father, I see it now. I'm struggling in this area because I, I'm driven by my, my thoughts, my opinions. I'm driven by my feelings. I'm driven by my past. I'm driven by what I want. Father, I confess this. I ask your forgiveness. I repent. I turn away from this. Father, please forgive me. In Luke 22, Jesus is in the garden and he says, And he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. This morning, is there something in your life that you're struggling with? Jesus had this moment. He's like, Oh, Father, if there's any way, just, uh, nevertheless, nevertheless, I surrender, I submit. Not my will, but your will be done. So is there something that you've elevated and you have to say, Father, Father, here, here, take it. Nevertheless, take it. Nevertheless, take my thoughts, take my opinions, take my feelings, take my past, take my preferences. Father, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done, Father. This morning, I confess, this morning, Father, I ask for and I receive your forgiveness. I have been struggling in these areas and now I understand why. It's because I elevated something above your word. I was trusting in myself more than I was trusting you, God. And if that's where you are, confess. Turn from it and receive God's forgiveness this morning. Receive God's forgiveness this morning. <sighs> May not be easy. So when it's going to require a heart that says, Father, you got me. Here I am. I need your grace. Thank you that you still love me. Father, I give you all of these things. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. So let's sing. You can take communion now if you'd like, and then we'll come back and we'll close.
Before we close in prayer, I want to read a familiar passage to you from Matthew 6, verses 25 to 34. And, and I wanted to close with this passage because it's a very familiar passage about not being anxious or not worrying about uh, your life. And, and oftentimes when it comes to worry and anxiety, you know, we, we maybe try to figure out all these uh, ways to overcome it, to overcome it, to overcome it when this passage, if we read it uh, through the lens of what we've just heard this morning about doctrine being foundational to our life, this very familiar passage, uh, the answer to anxiety and worry in our life is really doctrinal truths about God, doctrinal truths about the character, the provision of our Heavenly Father. So let me just read this to you. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his lifespan? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith, therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows 
that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Do you see that passage? The focus on this passage is not the anxiety, not the worry, not even on me. The answer to anxiety and to worry and all of that is in God. It's in who He is. And the more I focus on the doctrinal truths about who He is, the more I digest and, and appropriate in my head and in my heart the doctrinal truths about God, my Father, that is what impacts how I respond to the cares of the world. My focus is on Him and doctrinal truths about Him. That's the answer. That's the key. And, and I share that with you. And maybe this week, uh, as you go through uh, the various things that come up in life, rather than reacting to the circumstance, rather than going right to your opinions, your thoughts, your feelings, your past experiences, your preferences, take time out. Stop. The minute you start to get riled up and go there, stop, open the Scripture, and look for doctrinal truth. Look to the Word of God, first and foremost. Elevate that above all and see what happens as you walk in faith and obedience to the Word of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our time together this morning. Thank you for your Word. In fact, you say, uh, Jesus, that we are sanctified by God's truth, and God's Word is truth. So thank you, Father. And Father, I pray for all those who are listening this morning. Father, uh, if there are things that we have elevated above the Word of God, whether it's our opinions, our thoughts, our feelings, experiences, preferences, Father, please forgive us. We choose, we purpose right now to elevate to preeminence in our life the Word of God as the authority, as the truth in our life. We ask you through your Holy Spirit to help us to understand it, to be hearers and doers of your word, all for your glory. We love you, Father. We thank you for your word. We choose now to walk by faith and not by sight in the power of the Holy Spirit for your glory. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you. Thanks for being with us today. Have a blessed week. We'll see you next Sunday. God bless you.